0: The Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes.
1: All right, it's the Sports Cage on 620. CKL Ram, Sean Kleisinger in for Derek Taylor, and it's our last best of the Sports Cage of the week. And- All guests appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, any time is a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. And I gotta say this right off the top, it's pajama day here in the office. So I brought out my fresh, my minty Ryder PJs for today's show. And it's not like you need to visualize Zinger's attire today. But you know, just saying, the vibes are pretty comfy. On this last day of the work week. And uh, one lucky person will be sitting pretty comfy financially today at 4.30. Yes, as we draw our next weekly winner for the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation, Chase Ace. And today's winner will bank an extra $5,000. Think about that. It could be you if you bought your ticket. You could uh, buy the whole family Grey Cup tickets maybe for the 2022 Grey Cup with all that money. Hey, hey, just throwing ideas out there. We're going to start the show chatting with someone who also ran into a world of happiness this year. As she was hired to commentate beach volleyball at the Summer Olympics. Claire Hanna with DT on the Western Pizza Hotline. Is 2021 Olympian Claire Hanna. What's going on, buddy?
2: Okay, I can't. You can't call me an Olympian.
3: That's for the athletes. But like, Ah. I'm 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 like tickled pink by it, Derek.
2: (laughs) Come on, I'm gonna do it. Whatever the public wants to do is fine. I think I will think of you forever now uh, as an Olympian. Uh, uh, Tell folks the fantastic news that was revealed about you this week.
3: Well, I found out. um, Well, I was allowed to announce that I should say yesterday that I'm going to be the play-by-play broadcaster and commentator for beach volleyball at these upcoming Olympic games. And I honestly am so excited.
2: <laughs> cause, cause for folks who don't know you were a real but bi- you were a, you were a really good volleyball player.
3: Yeah. And it's so funny reflecting on all this because I mean, it's funny how you're like, Oh, you're an Olympian. I'm like, no, because I wanted so badly Derek to be an Olympian <laughs> in volleyball and worked my whole life for that. Or, you know, my whole life up until 2013 for that. And, fell short of that goal but this this feels really good too it feels so amazing it's and i was telling some people this is like an everest goal for me yeah so i'm so excited to be part of the olympics in a different way because i'm pretty sure life passed me by as an athlete for (laughs) to be an olympian
2: (laughs) you hey you shot for the stars and you you hit the moon so that's that's still pretty good you get to you get to play with the national team but never uh, the Olympics. Tell me how this opportunity with CBC came about for you, a CTV employee.
3: Yeah, great question. That was not easy. Um, and, and I'll say that I began this process about seven years ago. Um, I was volunteering with CBC actually at the Sochi Olympics. And I knew this is something I wanted to do after my volleyball career ended, which was in 2013, but it's all about knowing the right contacts and things like that. So I had put my 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 stokes in the fire for a long time, and you know through this seven year process, people had been like fired at CBC who made these decisions. I'd had to re network, and um, it really started coming about um, in the summer of 2019 that I was getting put in touch with the proper people. But it's true, this was a big deal. I had and I give so much credit to my boss J C. Garden at CTV because he. He went to vouch for me, um, talked to, you know, higher-ups at CTV on why I should do this, even though it was a competitor. But um, I think at the end of the day, what they said is this is such a big deal at the Olympics. Of course, we want to support you in your pursuit of your goals. And that was just so amazing to hear. And I'm plugging CTV right now because they're an amazing employer for supporting me in that. And previous employers I've had, who I won't name, have not allowed me to do... um, commentary or analyst work um in the past and that was really frustrating but so this is this is just I'm so excited
2: why did you want to do this claire can you can you really put into words why you wanted to do this
3: well i have Obviously, really strong volleyball background as a player. I played a lot of beach volleyball growing up in between playing for the indoor national team. Um, I love the sport. I get to watch 100, more than 100 games in two weeks and just talk (laughs) about beach volleyball the whole time. I'm sorry, who wouldn't want to do that? Um, And it's funny, the last Olympics in 2016, I was working. This is a totally different story, but I was working on a film, a Hollywood film. I was actually the um, sport um like counselor consultant. um consultant yeah on the, on the movie and it was with Helen Hunt and and it was actually being filmed during the Olympics and if you've ever worked on a Hollywood film you're on call I was like on set at 6 a.m. we didn't get off till 11 p.m. and I I almost missed all of the Olympics and it was heartbreaking because I wanted to watch and I was like trying to tune in between like set calls and things like that but I didn't have much time and so to be able to do this first of all to dream come true I love doing play-by-play I love calling the action I love just feeling what the athletes are feeling and getting to describe what's, what's happening. Um, but to do this, I get to watch all of the Olympics now. So
2: <laughs> it's that, a no-brainer. I, I'm not sure. Uh, that was the miracle season, right? The Helen Hunt movie?
3: Yeah, that that was correct. That was the miracle season, and it came out actually in 2018.
2: Right. I was When you said you are working on a movie, I'm like, oh, is it the Top Gun sequel and you're doing a beach volleyball scene with Tom Cruise <laughs> and the guys again? No, that's... <laughs>
3: Maybe that's a couple of years down the way. That'd All be amazing. Or a reboot with some younger actors. Sign me
2: up. Oh, there we go. That's uh, that is fantastic. Claire Hanna of CTV is with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. So it's it's in the offing, and the Olympics are sort of around the corner. But as it stands right 99 now, ninety-nine
3: days away. Sorry, ninety-nine
2: days. Ninety-nine. You're counting down. Is it in your is it in your no. phone? Like, do you get a morning countdown of Claire? It's ninety-eight.
3: Well, I knew that yesterday was 100, so it's easy to make that calculation today. But uh, really? I'll probably, honestly, I'll probably keep a checklist from here on out.
2: <laughs> that's amazing. Very few people, uh, like no fans, as best I know, are going to going to be allowed to Tokyo. Tokyo. How are you going to do this? How are you going to be calling the games?
3: I'm actually, yeah, I'm not going to Tokyo. I'm calling it from Toronto. Um, we're going to get a live feed, which takes a, a little bit away from it. As you know, you do, you do play by play. That's your job um it's different but at the same time it'll still be special and I actually I got to mention this um so we haven't even gotten into this yet but a lot of the athletes I actually used to play with or know personally so I think it'll still be easy for me I want to actually talk to them ahead of the games and say hey is it okay if I shoot you a message occasionally to get quotes for you because Mm -hmm. I think that's really important to bring those stories to the audience um but yeah it's it's, I'll be in Toronto which I'm pumped about but I would do this from a porta potty in my backyard. I would do this job <laughs> from anywhere on earth.
2: I I wonder what the reson- the, sound, how the sound would resonate in the old porta potty. But no, I mean you would yeah, you would, <laughs> you would do this under adverse conditions. Like if you would go to Toronto at this time, that's that's saying a lot based on what's happening in Ontario right now. That's that's putting it on the line yeah. for your career, buddy. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Yeah, that would it's not safe and i know that there's also we're um there's so many plans going ahead they've talked about having um the booths where we're going to be calling the games um we're going to be kind of in one of the plans is having us in glass boxes so that you can see um the analyst i'm working with is marquis he's been to three olympics he got a bronze for canada in beach volleyball um in 1996 and you know that you need a relationship with the color commentator Mm -hmm. so they've made these glass boxes. So if we need to, we can communicate with each other, you know, just by glancing, but that's one of the possible plans. So I'm told, but um, I'm hoping by July 25th, we're vaccinated.
2: That'd be, that'd be great. And caught in a glass case of emotion as you're trying to watch uh, beach volleyball, the high fives just kind of stop at the glass, you know, when a great play happens. (laughs) Uh, uh, Amazing. Uh, Who, uh, do we know who's representing Canada? at the in, in yes. beach volleyball? Great question. We do and we don't. So I have to
3: I really want to take advantage of this time to let people know how amazing our women are at beach volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um we actually are favorites for gold in women's beach volleyball for the first time ever in Olympic Wait, beach volleyball history. Yeah, I know. Over like there Americans
2: and Brazilians and stuff. Yes.
3: Yes. yes. wow I, I know that's hard to but it's hard to believe but it's kind of embarrassing we don't know that and it's not been publicized more. So Sarah Pavin and Melissa humana Paradis yep. are the favorites for gold. They just won the world championships in 2019, beating the Americans in the final. Um, and they've, they've just been dominating these past few years on the FIVB beach volleyball circuit. But in the same breath of air, Heather Bansley and Brandy Wilkinson are another um, duo from Canada who have also already basically qualified. Um, you get to qualify 18 teams if you have the top 18 points in the world you're in, and it's almost impossible that they'll drop out of that top 18. And at one point, they were ranked number one in the world, I think it was in 2018. And so there is a legitimate possibility we could have an all-Canadian final at these Olympics. And I I just think it's so important the public knows about that because it's huge, and these women have been working so hard Mm -hmm. for, for over a decade. I played indoor with Sarah, um, from 2010 to 12, and Sarah actually made the switch to beach because she felt she could have a better shot at getting to the Olympics. This is now her second Olympics, and she's a favorite. So I'm just so proud of her.
2: Yeah, I was going, I was wondering if your careers had over because I can't place how old Sarah is, but I remember she's what Thunder Bay and went to Nebraska. Am I on the right? Yes, she won. Okay.
3: She won a national championship with the Cornhuskers, and she was the NCAA Athlete of the Year across all sports. Yeah. You know who she shared that with um, on the men? Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. He was a pitcher with the New York Yankees. Um, great last name. Um, oh. You know, anyways, I'm, I'm trying to think, but I was like, oh my, and she's like friends with him. Like, this is a big deal we're talking. Like, Sarah Pavin is a huge deal. So is her partner. Uh, Melissa Humana Paradis is. Um, one of the rare athletes in Canada that actually started playing beach volleyball and then played indoor, most of us because it's a cold climate or whatever, you start in an indoor and then you kind of find your passion passion in beach. But Melissa's father actually coached our Canadian men um, at the Olympics back in the 90s. So she's got an incredible background in beach volleyball.
2: Claire Hannah's with us uh, on the sports cage. Beach volleyball is one of those Olympic sports that just, I feel like we maybe don't pay attention to it for four years, but then it is the greatest thing ever. And I can document several reasons why it is. Uh, The first one is uh, I played six person volleyball. I played six person volleyball with three people. I don't know how the hell you play six, you know, on a six person court with two people. I don't know how you (laughs) and these athletes do that. That just doesn't make any sense to me. physic physically, physiologically, whatever it is.
3: And now add in the elements like it's it's plus thirty degrees. It's so hot. It's humid. You know, you've got the sun in your eyes on certain sides, and the wind is blowing the ball around. It is. I truly think beach volleyball is one of the most athletic and challenging sports there is. And have you ever gone for a jog in the sand? It's not it's, easy. Oh, it's and awful. Now you, now you have to jump on it and dive in. It. It's it's they're specimens.
2: I gosh, I remember. God, do I, was it the first time beach volleyball made the Olympics, or it was early on, but I would be up very late, and NBC would have Karch Karai and Kent Steffes playing, and then there was a, an old-school Nintendo game of beach volleyball, and ah, go, ah, this is, this is the greatest sport, mostly because I could never do it, but it is just so exciting to watch, and, and it's going to be up to you to... To I mean, in my job, it's like, hey, Derek, don't screw it up. You know, you just have to capture it and and bring it to people. It's uh, such a great opportunity well, for I, you.
3: I'm feeling I'm feeling some pressure too because I know how many people watch it. But I'm doing my research. I'll, I'll be prepared, and I will. You know, I got to add to this, in Derek, yeah. um, our men right now. So there's three back back-to-back to back or back to back to back tournaments in Cancun happening right now to allow um, teams who haven't qualified to get enough points to get in because that's obviously been a bit of challenge. And right now we don't have any men men teams who have qualified, but there is a chance that Sam Schachter and Sam Pedlow, the, the Sam duo, they're right on the cusp right now. So if they can do well in Cancun over the next three weeks we'll have a men uh, a male representative in the Olympics.
2: So would they be would our men be expected to do much or is just being there will be good, yeah, if they, good on their if level. They can
3: get in there, if they can get in there, um, I think there's always a shot. Um, they're they're definitely not the favorites like the women are but yeah. um they've had a lot of um top like um, ninth place finishes over the past three years which is really great because that means you've gone deep in the in a tournament um but it's just going to be a matter of if they can really pull some high finishes together in cancun
2: what's the most exciting part of the role you'll get to play what's the most nervous part of the role you will get to play what are your emotions 99 days out
3: um, most exciting is the fact that I could possibly be calling a gold medal match. That means a lot for Canada. Most nervous is calling a hundred games in two weeks.
2: That's a, a hundred. Is that really your schedule? Like that's, that's eight games it's a over day. over a hundred games. Oh my gosh.
3: Yeah, and also doing it at like three in the morning.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's, uh. Hey, uh, I mean, that's that's what we signed up for, right, in this business is sometimes it's going to be at weird hours. Tokyo is – I don't even know how many – how many hours ahead is Tokyo? I don't
3: know. I haven't done the calculation. Uh, that's it's way ahead. <laughs>
1: 99 days of research. You'll figure it out. From- uh,
3: yeah depends
1: when you're in toronto from saskatchewan it's different <laughs> 7 a.m in tokyo right now so
2: 15 hours yeah. ahead of of us in saskatchewan do they <laughs> zinger do they observe uh daylight savings time let's get into that because that's let's uh, get let's
1: get to the nitty-gritty here that's a contentious one <laughs> yeah, for you and
3: for somebody i guess this is where I start drinking coffee because I'm not a coffee drinker. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: Uh, when that announcement, uh, Claire, came out from CBC, I thought, oh, i got to skip through this and see who it is. Oh, okay, uh, see people I know. Okay, there's Andy Patrillo. Oh, Mitch Peacock is back. And I had no idea your name was going to be on the list, and I, I saw it, and I went, Oh my God! This is such an opportunity! Oh my God! that's so great for her i I can't tell you, buddy, how happy I am for you with this i I can imagine what it what it means to you i I know what it's like to be the the person the play by play person i I am so happy that you get this opportunity and, and honest i mean at such a such a young age in our business, ah, the sky is the limit for you uh with this one
4: thank you.
3: Thank you. The support really means so much, Derek. And I thank you so much for saying that. Okay. And I will not disappoint you. I will go and I will bring the stories back to you in an exciting way.
2: I like it. I like it. And then tell me, and then afterwards, you know, tell me some stories about the glass case of emotion that CBC is going to keep you in to, <laughs> to keep you safe <laughs> if from that, the COVID. If
3: that's, that's what we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. There's a nice conversation there. Claire Hanna with Derek Taylor. On the Western Pizza Hotline. It was a big year for Claire. She moved out to Ottawa. She's uh, working with TSN now. She commentated the women's beach volleyball at the Summer Olympics. That's what I'm talking about. Claire doing big things. And uh, we miss her around these parts here in the old YQR. Heading to break. Afternoon rush next. And then we're going to be drawing our weekly winner for the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. Chase Ace. Giving away an extra $5,000 coming up on The Cage. It's Zinger with the Afternoon Rush. It's 4.25, and I said, giving away $5,000 in a few minutes? Well, I'm completely wrong on that front. It's actually over $7,000. So I was just $2,000 off. No big deal. World Junior Hockey Championship gets underway tonight with a pre-tournament game. Canada, they're going to be taking on Russia. It's unclear how much or how little Pat's forward Connor Bedard will play. Bedard is projected to be the 13th forward heading into Thursday night's game. Canada and Russia at 6 p.m. You can uh, watch it on TSN 5. The Minnesota Vikings, man, I don't like talking about these guys, but here we go. They have uh, placed running back Dalvin Cook on the reserve COVID-19 list. The team announced Thursday the three-time Pro Bowler, is ruled out for Minnesota's Week 16 matchup against the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday, and that's tough news for the Vikings because, well, they're currently sitting in the last playoff spot in the NFC. They're tied with a few teams. The Los Angeles Dodgers, their outfielder, first baseman, uh, Cody Bellinger, he's back with the team. He signed a one year deal worth uh, $17 million. I say that so casually. Yeah, one-year one, one year deal, $17 million, according to uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN. And Bellinger, he struggled this past year. He just uh, could not stay healthy. And uh, he finished the year with just uh, 10 home runs and uh, 36 RBIs. So hopefully he can get back on track. And uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, they're finalizing plans for a renovation of the Rogers Centre. That's uh, likely to include a redesign of the stadium's lower bowl, according to an uh, industry source. The renovation is expected to cost around about $250 million. Details should be wrapped up next month with a formal unveiling to follow. That's your afternoon rush, and we are just a near few moments away to draw this week's lucky winner for the substantial Rough Rider Foundation, Chase Ace. And like I said, this week's winner is going home with over $7,000. Maybe put it towards some Grey Cup tickets for 2022, maybe for some Riders swag at the the old Mosaic Stadium shop. You can do whatever you want with 7 grand. So we're going to find out who's going to put that in their pocket coming up next. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Today's one big number and there's no doubt about this one, 7,000. One lucky person will be going home with $7,000 today from the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation Chase Ace Draw, which will be happening in just a few moments of time. Just in time for the holidays, a nice little extra pick-me-up. Today's one big number for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533.
5: And welcome to our Chase the Ace uh, draw here, brought to you by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation by Tara Balzi in here. Zinger doing a great job putting this uh, countdown show together as he is uh, wrapping up the year uh, along with Derek Taylor. So great job by Zinger! I want to thank Ryan Mashork for coming in and helping us here execute this thing, and of course Cindy Fuchs from the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. First, before we get to Cindy, one thing in 2022: if he is still a member of the Rough Riders, we have to get this thing figured out. Is it Edom or Adam? He says Edom on the splitter, but he they say it's Adam. I don't like guys that don't tell me their right name. You know what I mean?
6: I don't know. Well, maybe he doesn't care.
5: Yeah, maybe not. Well, I don't know. He's he's a laid back guy until he gets on the field. Uh, best of the season to you. Thank you. So yeah, you uh, too. are you done? Your shop, everything's good to go? You're ready to go?
6: Yeah, everything's done. Last yeah. minute. Well, actually, I just said today I'm not going back to a grocery mm-hmm. store this week.
5: This is the uh, busiest shopping day of like the year, right it's here. It's crazy. It is. I noticed mm-hmm. like driving in about three thirty. like holy cow, there's a lot on Victoria Avenue. Your granddaughter's name is? Ava. Ava's here, 14-year-old from LeBoldis. You guys uh, did something cool today with the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation before we get to this. You know, the money goes back into our community from this lottery. But it goes into, like, uh, amateur football and those type of programs. But not just that. Tell us what you guys did today. It's pretty cool.
6: Yeah, it is cool, actually. We sponsored a, a large family and nine people wow. and seven kids in Regina first time that we've actually sponsored and the football club also sponsored a family so uh, we got to deliver um the gifts and food and uh, breakfast to a family in need and man that certainly fills the soul.
5: right and you were telling me something too about a mittens program that you guys are doing tell us about that because it it, with the whole supply chain stuff things got a little bit backed up but just tell me about that initiative that's pretty cool too yeah i'm
6: thinking people will still need mittens
5: yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's not gonna warm up that much we brought in some special
6: mittens they're actually really cool they're black with the black emblem on them mm-hmm. so really nice looking but 50 percent of the proceeds goes to the Saskatchewan rough rider foundation and we will be donating that mm-hmm. money to chili for children here in regina and a chep program which is a feeding program for kids in saskatoon as well
5: that's awesome okay so uh this draw here what happens is we have a weekly prize and then if you uh, get the uh is it the ace of spades the cody fajardo uh yeah, right. card then you win the whole uh prize now right now this weekly prize is over eighty-four hundred dollars. So somebody today will walk away with eighty over eighty-four hundred dollars. Now I haven't eighty-four hundred ninety-two actually, almost eighty-five hundred. I've I haven't done every one of these. Derek uh, does most of them. I don't since I've been sitting in this chair. I don't remember the weekly prize being. Like maybe it's been higher, but not much higher than this. Nope. We did a special thing
6: this week because okay. it's Christmas. We called okay. it the Christmas bonus. Okay. So we started that pot at $5,000. Ah, so yeah, yeah. So we just sweetened it up for someone yeah, to win yeah. today.
5: Okay. So before we get to this, people are just new to this. If they want to get tickets, how do they go about getting tickets? They
6: go to riderville.com and yeah. click on the foundation and it's right
5: there. It says chase ace. And we got different uh, packs. This year there was 200 tickets for a hundred bucks the best pack that's the best pack yeah and people go
6: together on that one yeah it's a lot of fun because you're winning cash you can split cash easily
5: okay so what do you say we get to this now i just want to uh we mentioned the weekly prize, but if somebody does draw that Ace of Spades, the Cody Fajardo card, what can they win here today besides the eighty-four hundred ninety-two bucks? Twenty-one
6: thousand seven hundred and sixty-three. Wow. So, Cindy 20, Fuchs, 000. kind of money, hey? Eh? That's Cindy uh-huh.
5: Fuchs, kind of money. Ava, kind of money. She'd like to find that in her stocking. Okay, so let's make the draw here okay. and see if we can't uh, come up with a name and try to get a hold of them. We try to call them three times. If they don't answer. Then I make the draw, which I did. The last time I was doing this.
6: We've had a few that we haven't been able to get
5: yeah, a hold of. Yeah, right? well, busy yeah. times. So we have a winner. Okay.
6: From Saskatoon, mm-hmm. Michelle Biduluk. B-I-D-U-L-C-K-A.
5: Biduluk, okay. We'll see. Michelle. Yeah, Michelle. Okay, so there's something else I wanted to bring up and it just slipped my mind i'm 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 I'm, i came in off an afternoon nap we're talking mints oh we were talking about the northern football league and you were talking to me about uh the the, they were in town a lot of them was their first trip south of pa tell us about that
6: so 120 kids coming from northern saskatchewan like i'm talking north of la Uh not saskatoon not pa Mm -hmm. that's not north and they took bus trips. Some of them traveled nine hours to get to Regina, the last um, home season game. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a great time. So we, the foundation hosted them. We, we sponsored the entire league so that those yep. kids actually get to play football. Mm-hmm. They get the opportunity. The uh, boys and girls both play. And uh, they were able to come to a football game, first rider game. Many of them first time south of Prince Albert mm-hmm. and one of the coaches said that it was really cool because they were looking out the van windows, the one that she was in, and they couldn't believe that there was no trees. That's They'd amazing. seeing seen hey? anything with
5: no trees. That's amazing. Yeah. And then imagine what it would have been like to come to the stadium and see the oh, stadium, yeah.
6: hey? Yeah, unbelievable. Actually, I was at the gate when they were coming in and they were just looking in awe at that mm-hmm. stadium. I mean, lots of kids, you know even in that neighborhood, they look from the outside in, yeah, and our goal is to try to get many of those kids that live in that neighborhood to actually get in that stadium well
5: and and in that northern league, okay, voicemail one on our first call we'll try two more times. Um, in that northern league, they have to travel quite a distance just to play games.
6: That's right, like sometimes they'll travel six hours just to play a game on a bus. They're used to it, yeah, they like it yeah. um, part of the other thing around that, which is really cool is they, it's through the school division, and so mm-hmm. they actually have to attend school and mm-hmm. they have to be passing in order to play yeah that's huge motivation
5: that is huge motivation, and yeah. speaking of that, another guy that uh we know he does charity work but or community work, but I don't think he gets enough uh, props as mac henry he's oh. he's He's a building with feet. He's very aggressive. Uh, Sometimes when you watch him, you got to watch when you interview him because he likes to use the F word, and I don't mean fa-la-la-la-la la 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 he that's likes to true. use that other f-word right that's just him right he's he's a little rough around the edges but we love him but he is a big teddy bear but he's been doing some great work too
6: yeah he's one of our key ambassadors for the foundation and he does two really really great things and one is he works with scott collegiate at the mm-hmm. mama Washington center mm-hmm. in the off season and sometimes during the season he just works with kids kids mm-hmm. that are really struggling don't know their way maybe don't have guidance at home um, he's been through a rough time in his life. He knows what it's like. So he wants to help kids have a, a future. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he attributes that to football.
5: All right. So we're up to number two for Michelle in Saskatoon. We'll try one more time and then I'll have to uh, pick. So far, we've got uh, 12, 7, 19, and 24 off the board. So, uh, yeah, we'll have, I, I know I picked 12 last time I did it. Uh, for one of our listeners in my deal. yeah the weekly prize 8492 bucks, and then over 21000 for the grand prize if you pick the ace of spades the Cody Fajardo card do you have any uh what are your thoughts on the season that we watched this last year both in in with the riders and with the CFL how it wrapped up
6: well I had fun yeah like, just so happy to mm. be back in that stadium yeah. And, uh, I mean, the fifty-fifty was so successful to give back to our community. That's what I care about. I yeah. want to give back to the community. But so fun to actually see um, our fans be able to enjoy a game outside again. Yeah. That was fantastic. Not the outcome we wanted. Yeah, but Winnipeg again. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But yeah. they deserved it. They're a, oh, they're yeah. a pretty
5: solid team. I, I will say it's exciting to have the Grey Cup here this year. Oh, Cross yeah. our fingers that there aren't... Six, seven, eight, ten waves of this stupid COVID that we can actually have a full straight-on Grey Cup because it's what the CFL needs. A Very important off season for this league, and it called. I remember um, back in '95 when the league was kind of in trouble, uh, going through a really tough time. They had the Grey Cup here, and it kind of yeah. with Baltimore, Calgary, the first ever one here, and it kind of kickstarted the league again. And I feel we're almost. I feel like we're almost there again. Like we're. You know, I wouldn't say we're, we're, you know, but I mean, it's time for us to raise the league up again. And I'm feeling like that's a pretty... you know it's going to be good to have a great cup here.
6: Oh, for sure. And yeah. you know, the last signing, and I have to mention this, because yeah. these are, some of the guys are our ambassadors. Jorgen Hoos, yeah. he's a fantastic ambassador. Mm-hmm. I've worked with him for since he started for the riders. Mm-hmm. He delivers so much great messaging to kids throughout the yeah. province, so that was really sweet. I'm just waiting for the other ones to be signed, yeah. and every time they do, it's like, yes! Yeah. Uh, Keenan LaFrance signed
5: about. too, and he's kind of a new version of Neil Hughes, and they both signed two-year deals, which yep. uh in today's day and age, seems like a long-term contract. Okay, so let's uh, head out on the phone and say hi to Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi there. Hi, Michelle. What is your last name, the correct pronunciation?
4: Uh, it's Bidlaka. B- Bidlucka? Bidlaka.
5: Bidlaka. Okay, Bidlaka. Yep. Okay, Michelle. Yep. So, uh, I, I'm, uh, see, I like to see how people have strategized when they go to buy these tickets. Uh, what, how many tickets did you buy for your chance to win this thing? It was Like, how big was the pack?
4: I bought a fifty ticket pack.
5: Okay, cool, awesome. Yeah. All right, and 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 was it uh, was it a thing where you just wanted to win the money, or it was kind of a win win? You were winning, but you were given back to the foundation, which we've already said uh, examples of which they've helped out with football. But not only that, uh, for instance, just given like a Christmas uh, type of experience to a couple of families here in our community.
4: Oh, absolutely! It's a win win. It's um, I've been uh, always trying to. Win money, of course, and I've always given to the riders, and I think it's a great foundation, and they're always giving back, and definitely the time of year to be part of that.
5: Okay, so i uh, got to ask you, did, were you, who were you cheering for in that Grey Cup, or did you even watch it, Winnipeg-Hamilton? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I watched, I watched, and um, I, I guess I'd have to say Winnipeg would have been my my second guess on that i know i know but you know they're closer to us so i kind of picked we got
5: to maybe you can use some of this money you just want to go for counseling or something that's just (laughs) terrible michelle (laughs) okay so michelle i joke i joke guess what congratulations you have won eighty four hundred and ninety two dollars that is that is your money right now and in no way do you have to give any to your favorite host on CKRM named Michael Ball. You don't have to give any money to him at all, you, okay? <laughs> don't feel you need to give any to him. Anyway, so that's great. That's great news. What will you, what will you do with that money, 8492
4: bucks. It's actually it's getting split uh, three ways. I went in with my parents, so we're all going to have a wonderful Christmas now. Oh, Just pay off some bills and, and get through the holiday season.
5: That's awesome, Michelle. Great. Okay, but we're not done. The winning is not done. So you get to pick a number between 1 and 52. Now, just hear me out here. Uh, You can't pick 7, 19, 24, or 12. So that's 7, 12, 19, or 24. You can't pick any of those numbers, but anything else between 1 and 52, and if you get the uh, ace of spades, you win the big uh, grand prize, on top of the 8492 bucks that wow. you've already put in your nice little purse there. So what what are we going with? <laughs> what number you want to pick?
4: Uh, I am going to go with number 41 today.
5: Number 41. Any reason why we're
4: going with number 41? No, we actually all just kind of talked about it, the three of us, and that's the number that we all thought was a good number. So Ooh, we're going with that
5: that's, You already taught. You strategized. I like I that. Know. So <laughs> 41 up the top. I think that was Fred Perry's number, and I think it was Gary Rogers' number, and I don't know this year's version of the Riders, 41. But anyway, uh, Cindy's ripping open the envelope. Cindy, what do we got there? Oh, it's a two of clubs. It's a two of oh. clubs. So that's okay, though, but here's the beauty of this. Yeah, boo it. Yeah, that's right, boo it. We wanted to win the whole thing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Or maybe we were booing because she was cheering for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. <laughs> Give <us a> <laughs> anyway, Michelle, Michelle, congratulations! You and your parents have won eighty-four hundred ninety-two bucks. Now, Cindy, if I'm not mistaken, even though she won this week, she can continue to buy tickets, and her and her parents could win next week. And you the could week win after. again, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Fifty-two awesome. weeks. That's awesome. And we I think go. I think if you bought. If you bought a fi- like why don't you and your parents go 200 for $100 now Michelle how does that sound
4: Yeah I think we have to we're lucky now so we got to keep it going
5: There you go and the prize will uh, continue to grow Congratulations Michelle and Merry Christmas to you and your family and uh, thanks for listening to uh, CKRM we appreciate it
4: Great thanks same to you guys thanks so much
5: Awesome And uh, we should give a shout out, Cindy, to Viterra. This wouldn't be possible without our good friends at Viterra. Right. This is the second year they've
6: sponsored and supported Chasey Ace and they're a great partner. They do so much great work in the community. This Mm -hmm. is just one piece that they do.
5: Okay, lastly before I uh, send it to break, do you have any words for Rider Nation on behalf of the team and the foundation as it relates to Christmas? And uh, and a little message there.
6: Well, certainly, um, happy holidays, season greetings, and we're really gearing up. You know, I think January 4th will hit if that's the Monday. Mm -hmm. And uh, the team will be ready to you know get moving and shaking and get ready for this season it it feels like it's a short season to mm-hmm. get ready for because it just ended mm-hmm. yeah so we're all going to come a break. fast it's going to come It fast. will. Yeah, yeah it will for sure well i
5: just want to point this out and i'm a catholic so i'm going to say that right off the get-go i'm going to i'm going to cross the line here but canada's team it's god's team and you know how i know green is the color of christmas green is the color. Of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Merry Christmas to you Thank and your you. granddaughter and everybody out there. This segment was brought to you by our friends at uh, Nick's Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Cleaner, and Fent Dealer. Call 781 1077. Coming up, Zinger with more of the best of the sports, Cage and Derek Taylor on 620 CKRM.
1: Back inside the sports cage, it's 4.46. Big congratulations goes out to Michelle Baduca of uh, Saskatoon. And I'm sorry, Michelle, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. But uh, Michelle's going home with over $8,400 just in time for Christmas. That's just awesome. And uh, we're doing it all again next week so uh, you can get your tickets. On Riderville.com. Quick sports ticker here, the New Orleans Saints. They're reportedly adding starting quarterback Taysom Mahill to the COVID-19 list. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport tweeted Thursday. And it's a uh, tough luck here for the Saints. They're down to their fourth string quarterback as the rookie out of Notre Dame, the former fighting Irish quarterback, Ian Book, he's gonna be getting his uh Start, uh, first start behind center and a crucial Monday night matchup coming up here against the Dolphins for the Saints because uh, New Orleans, they're currently tied for third, uh, tied for that third wild card spot in the NFC. They're tied with the Vikings. They're tied with a few other teams. So every game from now on out is uh, big for the New Orleans Saints few more minutes until the 5 o'clock news. We're going to go back in time and revisit a conversation that Derek Taylor had with TSN's Jeff O'Neill. It was in uh, the midst of the NHL playoffs, and it's always good to catch up with O-Dog. Here's that conversation, DT and Jeff O'Neill.
2: I've told the story a few times before of, of folks who have been just, invaluable to me during my career give me a boost for this or that the the Dwayne Fords the Matt Dunnigan's the Rod Smith's the Kate Burness our next guest another one of those guys as well who gave me uh love on the radio side in my TSN days and I owe him for that forever he is Jeff O'Neill how are you sir
7: E.T. how are you doing buddy good to be on with you
2: yeah I appreciate you carving out some time how was your show today you just finished up on 1050 there
7: Oh, it was good. There's a lot of exciting stuff. Obviously, it's a little awkward with the Canadian teams now just firing up in the playoffs, but <laughs> it should be exciting. I mean, it's going to be different seeing the fans going crazy in the States and now back to Canada stuff with nobody in the building, so that's a little bit different.
2: I, I have been on forcing the Vancouver Canucks to finish their season was an abomination. Are, were you that mad at it, or were you fine with them them wrapping it up this afternoon?
7: Well, they just had to get going. It was they were kind of fortunate where these games were were meaningless, and it was painful to watch and painful to kind of track. But you got to do what you got to do to get things going here. They got to get this wrapped up somewhat quickly, so they had to get cooking.
2: Did you watch any of the of the last couple afternoons? Did you squeeze in any Flames Canucks?
7: No. Usually, yeah. if something's kind of important, I'll have my iPad during the show. But for these games, I kind of passed on it. I thought I could do without the analysis on those games. <laughs> that's, that's
2: probably good. You've got to focus your efforts on uh, the Leafs and Habs, which starts tomorrow. Uh, we've been talking full confessional. Uh, we've been talking here about, man, it would be great if the Habs took out the Leafs. Man, the Leafs are cursed. Do, are the Leafs actually cursed, or do we here in, in the sports cage just want them to be cursed? What's your, what's your take?
7: I think it's a little bit of a mix of both. I think that people that are not in Toronto like to see the suffering and agony that people are put through. But I think there's kind of a, there's a glimmer of hope here in Toronto that they could take the next step. And I just don't think getting past round one would be a success this year. I think they're the best team in the Canadian division. And I think they got a good shot, just like everybody else. They got good players. And I think they proved they're better than everyone in the North this year. So we'll see where that takes them.
2: What, what kind of margin do you think it is between the Leafs and everybody else in the Canadian division? Is it, is it substantial, or is maybe Edmonton or Winnipeg close in your mind?
7: Well, I think DT, has, the four teams that made it in the North, they all have elements that would scare the hell out of any opposition. And if you go to Winnipeg, obviously their goaltender and Mark Shifley and, and their top guys, although they're missing a couple of their top six mm-hmm. right now, uh, the Edmonton Oilers obviously have McDavid and Dreisaitl. And if you go to the Montreal Canadiens, Kerry Price, if he can find his game, he would scare the heck out of me, too. So every team in Toronto's got Matthews and Marner and and what they do. So every team has something that should scare their opposition, at least get them thinking. So we'll see how it plays out.
2: I'm assuming you saw the video of Kerry Price just trashing his stick at the skate this morning.
7: Yeah, I don't know if that was like a message to everybody that he's fired up and he's ready to go or is just somebody, you know how they blow things out of proportion. <laughs> yeah. That, would just, that stuff happens in practice, so I don't know if that was just one thing that happened in practice or, or Carey Price trying to send a message that he's raring to go.
2: Yeah, if I'm a Habs fan, I hope it's that he's raring to go and not that, oh, man, he just got schooled by the, the Black Aces who will not be playing tomorrow, and I don't want that to be the, the side of it if I'm a Habs fan
7: exactly you you hope it's just not i'm in no form i can't believe i'm doing this kind of <laughs> stick smashing so we'll see where he's at cuz he just he's got to return to form like he did last year in the bubble when they you know they upset pittsburgh and You know, we'll we'll see where his game's at.
2: He is Jeff O'Neill, TSN 1050, a TSN hockey analyst with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. I'm curious, I I will confess to not having seen a ton of the Leafs this year instead focusing more on the teams uh, out our way. Jack Campbell's record in goal, 17-3-2. Those are fantastic numbers. How much confidence should Leafs fans have in Jack Campbell as he approaches his first playoff game?
7: Well, I think they should be very confident. If you just look at that record and say it to yourself, BT, I mean, it's a pretty impressive record. I think with most most athletes, it's the cliche thrown out that they got to get out of their own way. I mean, you got to just forget about the magnitude of the situation and the curse that Toronto's been under, as you mentioned at the top. Mm. And the guy at the other end, you're playing against Carey Price. So if he can just kind of, and those are it's a heavy task. To kind of put that in your in your rearview mirror and just focus and do what you've been doing, that's the biggest thing for the athletes. Can you zone in and just think about it as another game? So we'll see if Jack Campbell can do that. But his regular season record speaks for itself. Knowing
2: that Frederick Anderson is still alive, uh, how long for you is <laughs> ja- is Jack Campbell your starting goalie?
7: I don't know. I think in a seven-game series, you don't have a whole lot of wiggle room to kind of be going back and forth. You saw what happened in Florida. They went from Bobrovsky to Drieger, and now they're talking about Knights, their other goaltender. It's like, how many times? So now they've gone through two, and they're down 2-0. It's like, how many more times can you afford to go to another goaltender? So I'm hoping it's Jack Campbell can have a solid performance in game one that he just stays in the net and can get the job done. Because ultimately, if you're bouncing around, you're probably down in the series if you're putting yourself at a disadvantage.
2: When when I went to to, to dive a little deeper on, on the series and, and reading a couple of previews, I was caught at the the stark difference in absolute top end talent between the Leafs and the Habs. That man, the the I mean, line for line, I, I would take everybody on the Leafs over the everybody on the Habs. Uh, at least as far as forwards go, if not defense. what What's your perception of the talent levels of, of these two teams?
7: Well, I think, you know, you look at Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, and you can even go to John Tavares and William Nylander. And if you go to the Tampa Bay-Florida series, and Braden Point and his line mates, and, and Kucherov, like you can you can mix it up and try to get them off their game. But the bottom line is if that top-end talent decides they're going to get the job done, they're awfully difficult to stop and you don't have much to say about it. So if the top-end players from the Leafs decide that they're going to take this on and be really good every night, I don't think there's a whole lot the Montreal Canadiens or any other team in the North can say about it because they can just take over a game and dominate. And if they do that, I don't know what can stop it. You saw in Tampa, like, those guys are just so good. They make an impact on the game every shift they're on the ice. So if they don't do that, Montreal's got a good chance to win. But if those top end players decide to play and play well, yeah. I don't know if anybody can say anything about it.
2: And and then as I looked at one of the one of the things I've wondered about Toronto for a long time is you have four guys at least as far as forwards you're paying big money to. Will they yep. ever have a real defense core? And, and I look at Riley and Brody and Muzzin and Hall, and I, I go, oh, actually, uh, while I wasn't paying attention, they actually acquired some real talent on defense, and I. Uh, talent i really actually quite like on defense
7: yeah well you talk about jack campbell and his record i think that's been a big part of it for years they've had difficulty defending in their own zone and giving up high quality scoring chances so those guys are going to be key to protect the front of the net and get rid of those second and third opportunities where in the past it was just a free-for-all in front of any toronto goaltender and i think that they shored that up and hopefully that can continue in the playoffs as As the
2: numbers come out and you and look at them, I, I look at this, and I see Toronto as an overwhelming favorite if If there are any areas of concern for for you for Leafs fans, what are they what 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 would cause this to go pear shaped for the Leafs
7: Well, the one element is their power play it's just been terrible they were They were just cooking at the beginning of the season it 's completely fallen off the map and as you know derek the, the opportunities they they shrink up five on five in the playoffs. I, I played in two series against the New Jersey Devils, and it's like if your power play is not dialed in, to take advantage of those opportunities for skilled players to handle the puck and create scoring chances, you could be in trouble. So the power play is the one area of the game that they need to show up and, and do it quickly when they play Montreal.
2: In, in your day, were the Devils just the most frustrating team to play oh against? Oh,
7: my God. It was just it was painful. I mean, We actually beat them the year that we went to the finals, and it was like 2-1, 2-1, and that's what you had to commit to. Paul Maurice would say it before every game. You have to commit to trying to win this game 2-1 because they're not going to give you five, and it's not really my style or what I like to do, but that's what was available. So if you don't like it, then you're not going to win.
2: I, ju- I just feel like it would be – playing playing those devils would have been like wearing 10 weighted blankets in bed, and I, I just can't move like I want to, and I can't breathe. And, ah, God, it just sounds – it just sounds awful, awful. Uh, he is Jeff O'Neill. Let's bring in Clayton Croker. A question for Jeff O'Neill.
8: Well, I just have a random broadcasting question oh, for you, Jeff. I'm kind of a radio nerd. Uh, when you first started, was it hard to develop that chemistry? Because right now, you and your co-hosts, especially Jamie – You always have a great back and forth. Was that just day one it kind of clicked, or did that take time, and what did you do to work on it?
7: You know what? We just kind of let it fly and just saw what happens. I was kind of the intruder. They had been doing it for a couple years on a lunch show, and I had some different opportunities that were presented to myself, and I just said I think Leafs lunch it was called back in the day. Uh, I was a former Leaf player, so I just kind of thought that I was the best fit and that's always a different situation because I, as much as I wanted to do it, I didn't know what they thought about it when somebody else just shows up and goes on your show. So uh, they were welcoming, and, you know, we had good back and forth, and me and Jamie being former players and Brian Hayes being the great host that he is, we've just kind of found a way to make it work, and it's it's going pretty good.
1: There's Derek Taylor with TSN's Jeff O'Neill, big O-dog the former uh, – NHL player and that was during the the NHL playoffs this past season it's always good to hear from Jeff O'Neill and uh, that wraps up hour one on the other side of the news we're going to be remembering our friend who passed away earlier this year Warren Woods you're listening to the sports cage on 620 CKRM sports cage on 620 CKRM Sean Kleisinger and for Derek Taylor and we're gonna start the hour to take some time to remember just a great human being who passed away this year Warren Woods he was loved by so many here's DT with Craig Adam
2: yesterday we lost a real a real great guy and a real impact person within the Saskatchewan sports and sports media landscape as Warren Woods uh, passed away yesterday afternoon he of course on the radio and on Sportsline, which shows like that means so much to, uh, I was a viewer of, of a show like that back in the day and how much those anchors meant to me and my, my sports fandom. Uh, I can't even put into words. Uh, hopefully our next guest can Craig Adam worked with Warren woods on Sportsline. Nice enough to join us today. Craig, thanks for giving us some time today.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Derek. Uh,
2: when you think of Warren woods, what do you think of?
0: Boy, there's so many things that uh, that come to mind, isn't there? You know, um, you know, Woodsey was was the people's person, right? You know, we used to joke, you know, because anytime we would go out, you know, he would just hold court with anybody that would uh, want to talk to him, and of course, he would talk to everybody. And you know, I used to bug him and call him the king of Kensington because <laughs> it 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 just seemed to, you know, he was one of those guys that. Just resonated with, with so many people on so many levels. And, um, and even to this day, you know, seeing all of the outpouring of, of memories that are being shared uh, from people that didn't even um, know him personally, but felt a connection.
2: Yeah, and whether I mean people have texted us to say, "Oh man, he would stand in the south end of the the Brandt Center and wouldn't even sit in a seat at the at the Pats game, but he'd just be there, just talking to people, just to just truly like people that much is that's a that's a real gift and a real blessing.
0: Well, and that's what people found about him, Derek, is that he was the same person uh, in person as he was you know, on the airwaves or, or in the studio. I mean, in, you, know, you know, sometimes there's a different persona when you're on the air and when you're not, but he was just the same old guy. And, and I think that that's, that's why people loved him so much. And, you know, and he gave back. He gave back to the community. He was the first person that, that would be there when people were in trouble. Trouble. I, I moved uh, here in January of, of 1996. And, and that's when I joined, you know, at the time, it was STV, it then turned to Global, you know I was thrown in right into the uh right into the fireworks that year because of course that was the year that the Rough Riders were in huge trouble uh we had the the telethon uh that spring to save the Rough Riders that was in 96 when I when I moved here and and Warren was already well entrenched and so I really got a good sense of his connection to local sports at that time and how important it was to him and and so that that's how I was introduced right off the bat to not only to, to the Rough Riders and, and Rider Nation, but, but certainly to Warren's connection with local sports. I've
2: heard the phrase work dad thrown around by more than a handful of people who, who worked along, uh, alongside Warren. When, when you joined up in 96, work dad, was that, was that an appropriate way to describe kind of how he was in the office and how he was to the, to the younger folks?
0: well i'm getting up there in age 2 so maybe uh i don't know if he was my work dad maybe my work uncle but he was uh you know certainly a lot of the uh lot of the uh, you know young reporters and you know certainly as time goes on you know everybody looked up to him i mean he was one of the originals in 1987 and he's been through so much and you know he was just the voice of reason you know he never got too excited about you know certain things when it came to work and um, you know, certainly got excited, passionate about the Rough Riders or, or anything else that would you know light a fire under him. But he was a work dad. I mean, he was just one of those guys that he's been around. He's he's seen everything, and um, you know, certainly is going to be missed.
2: Talking to Craig Adam on the Western Pizza Hotline, which is why it was interesting. We had Marshall Ferguson from TSN Radio in Hamilton on. He said, "Oh yeah, no, Warren went to Mohawk College." And you go, "Oh yeah, he he was in what Sudbury and Thunder Bay in his career." That he's not like a day one Saskatchewanian, but I I just think of him as Saskatchewan. He I guess I guess he grew into that role the more the longer and longer he lived here in our in our great province.
0: Well, he totally did, and you know I'm born and raised in Saskatchewan and um you know uh, raised up in hudson bay and hudson bay rules of course and and when warren moved here in 87 i mean that was the time when stv had just started on the airwaves and there's a lot of rumors that you know stv wasn't going to stay around and it you know it's only going to be here for a couple of years and and you know and Woodsy even said he thought maybe he's going back to ontario he never forgot his roots never forgot where he came from but he ended up finding roots in saskatchewan Loved the people um wanted to stay here. And of course, you know, time is, is a telltale of that. And, um, you know, he, he was just one of those guys and, and always would joke about, you know, back in the Sudbury days and the Timmins days and, you know, and, and, and of course sports line in, 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 Ontario was huge too with Jim Taddy and, and yeah. John Martin, of course, in Toronto. And, and, you know, we were always in constant communication with those guys. And so it, it was just one of those guys that everybody looked up to here and, and he started something that, you know has lasting memories for a lot of people you know just you see the outgoing of support i got a random phone call from a guy today and he said you know and he started breaking up on the phone and which of course made me break up and he said you know i remember you know watching you guys and um i just wanted to phone and say how sorry i am and and you know and then he he said though one of the funniest warren wood stories that he remembers watching Regina Pat's highlights, was, you know, in the intermissions, they're always having these silly contests, and there's a guy blindfolded, and they have this race down to the goal line. Of course, he ran into the goal post or the crossbar, (laughs) and there's Woodsy saying it was the hit of the night. And, you know, the guy that phoned me, you know, Rob, you know, he's probably in his 40s or 50s, and those are memories that he takes with him, and that's a long time ago.
2: Well, and to, something like that can't be understated for for sports fans of a certain age in our country nowadays. Of course, everything's online, and we're kind of centralized with TSN Sports Center and Sportsnet connected. But for like for me growing up in Alberta. We were lucky enough to get the show from Edmonton and the one from Calgary. So uh, I think of Darren Detitian and Perry Solkowski in Edmonton, and I was a teenager watching those guys. And in Calgary, Mike Toth and Mike Lonsborough and Grant Pollock. And, and I, I I honestly, as a sports fan who later figured out I wanted to be that for a living, just as a sports fan I'm like these were my guys. I don't know them at all, but man, I would if I heard anything bad about Mike Lansbury, I'd fight somebody. Like the, yeah. we we de- as sports fans, we developed passion for folks who were in the role like you and Woodsy were because you were our guys doing our show in our town.
0: Well, that's just it. You know, there was no social media back then and, you know, people you know, had to beg their parents to stay up till 11 o'clock just to watch (laughs) the high school highlights. And, and I, and I got messages like that, that, you know, I begged my dad to let me stay up and, and, and watch the high school sports and watch the highlights because their buddies are on there and everything else. And, and that's the only way that you could get your local highlights and your local sports was, was for us to cover it. And, and then, and then that's, where he really connected with people was on the, the local sporting scene. Right. And when I talk local, I mean, we are talking rough riders, of course, and the Pats, and, but you know, there's high school, um, uh, athletics and, and of course, university sports and of course, curling, you know, yeah. big curling fan. And, uh, but he was the guy or we were the people, you know, Ron Rimmer and Pete Labardius was here, you know, quickly before myself. And, and then Warren and I had a good long run for six years. And, um, but that's where people got their information, and and uh, and we were there to provide it.
2: As you went along, what did you take from those six years together?
0: Well, you know, there's a real bond. Obviously, uh, Derek, as you know, working in in sports and, and and team sports, of course, you know, brings that out with with everybody. And you know, we had such a good chemistry, and you know, we worked with a lot of people over our careers, and you have coworkers, but you know, rarely. You know, do you have coworkers that become best friends, and and not only when you're working with them, but but after you've gone your separate ways? And you know, I, I left uh, Global TV back in 2002, so it's been a it's been a long time, but we've remained really really close since then, and and best friends, you know, since then, and I guess that just tells you the type of relationship that that we would have had, because such a likable guy. I mean, he was just he was just who he was and you could not help but but love the guy and he's he's really going to be missed.
2: Yeah, and, and and to think of that, right? If if it's been 19 years since you worked together. As I get older, I realize it takes a lot of it takes a lot of energy and a lot of desire to keep friendships active. Like I can, I can phone up buddies from, you know, I last talked to a couple of years ago and you can fall back into that rhythm, but to keep those active takes a lot of want to on, uh, on behalf of a person. So that, uh, that Warren was doing that and that you and Warren were, were still close is, is a real testament to the both of you.
0: Well, he would never forget that you were friends because he would, <laughs> he would rehash the same stories over. Like if he told it once, he told it a thousand times. And I would just let him, you know, tell the old stories again. And, oh, my wife, Deb, <laughs> you know, she's heard all the, the old stories a million times. But I loved when he told them because, one, you'd hear that infectious laugh uh, of his uh, that everybody talks about. And I always wanted to see if he could get through a story without laughing. So that's uh, that's kind of how that relationship, you know, went along was he was always there to to make sure and, and boy he had a memory on him like I he would remember some things that I couldn't remember and it, he was always there to bring up those memories
2: <laughs> I suspect the good ones and the bad ones too hey remember that time when you first got here and you blank blanked and you broke the printer and we were screwed uh, oh yeah yeah I love, yeah. I love um, it all
0: of that stuff well you know my first uh, my first sports cast. I'll never forget it I you know I came in I was pretty pumped I came from Lethbridge I was there for about a year and I came here and You know, big city, big, you know, uh, covering the riders. And of course, I, you know, I had a suit and tie on, and everything was pretty casual back on the sports line days back then. And after the show, Woodsy's like, "Uh, yeah, that tie, yeah, no more ties. You're making (laughs) me look bad. (laughs) (laughs) So I I didn't, I hardly wore a tie ever again. So I I didn't want, I I was told by, like you said, my work dad not to wear a tie anymore.
2: Yeah, he was a guy whose whose name I knew as I kind of crisscrossed the country trying to get a foothold uh, in the business, and I, I was I was pleased to I I didn't get to interact nearly enough with with Woodsy in my, in my time here. Part of it is is work, part of it is COVID, and part of it is being at uh, at different stations. But yeah, every time I'm like, "Well, oh, this guy's really nice." Oh, oh, he works for the competitor. Oh, okay, well, I'll have to hate him a little bit. But you, yeah, yeah, you couldn't hate. I just I couldn't hate it. I just think of the smile, and I think of him. He would he'd be zinging Daryl Davis or whatever when we'd be out for having a, a drink with a, with a bunch of us. And I'm like, ah, this is this is a good dude, and and I wish I'd I'd gotten to know him better than I did.
0: Yeah, well that's uh that's really nice of you to say because he was like that and and he was like that to uh you know to to so many people. Um and you know he's just he gets uh he loved what he did, right? And you could tell that on the air where he went to work, loved what he did and um and he, and he, and he's continued to do that, you know, for for a long long time and um I think that that's one of those memories and, and legacies that, that he's going to, you know, he's going to leave behind.
2: Yeah. Uh, Craig, I, I'm so sorry for your loss. It's, it's just such awful news. Uh, I, I'm glad we had him, but uh, yeah, there, I don't know what I, what I can truly say other than I, I appreciate you uh, taking a walk down memory lane with us and honoring uh, one of the truly good guys that
0: we had. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I know his uh, his daughter, Nicole, and, and, and Chris were, were here by his bedside when he passed. And, you know, they're, they're super thankful for, you know, the staff and the doctors and nurses and everybody at the general hospital who have just been like rock stars, you know, this past, you know, six or seven weeks and, and the community rallying around, around Woodsy. Um, you know, they're just so thankful for that. And, um, you know, can't thank the community enough. And, and uh, you know and there'll be a celebration of life at some point, and you know COVID, you know, c- kind of puts a damper on a lot of that. And you know, in in due time, they'll they'll make some some decisions on that, and everybody will be able to, you know, share their memories um, in in good time for for Warren Woods.
2: Yeah, I can't wait to uh, to raise a glass to a really really great dude and a very important member of our sports media family. Uh, Craig, thanks so much, man. I, I appreciate you giving us some time today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: There's Derek Taylor with Craig Abbott. Hey, it's 524 with the Afternoon Rush World Junior Hockey Championship gets underway tonight. It's just a pre-tournament game, but nonetheless, some hockey uh, to watch. Canada taking on Russia. It's unclear how much or how little Pat's forward Connor Bedard will play tonight, but uh, Bedard is projected to be the 13th forward heading into Thursday night's game. Canada and Russia... 6 p.m. You can watch it on TSN 5. The Minnesota Vikings have placed running back Dalvin Cook on the COVID-19 list the team announced Thursday. The three-time Pro Bowler is ruled out for Minnesota's Week 16 matchup against the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. And hey, that's a that's some tough news for the Vikings, who are currently sitting in the last playoff spot in the NFC. I'm Sean Kleisinger, here for our best ofs 2021 edition on the sports cage and next week we're going to be diving into some saskatchewan rough riders year in review and really looking forward to on tuesday we're going to be counting down the top 10 saskatchewan rough rider plays from the 2021 season and uh if you think you know what number one will be i would love for you to text me up right now on the saskatchewan rough rider Chase C Ace text line. It's 306-936-6262. What do you think will be our number one play of 2021 for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? To me, it's very obvious, but maybe maybe I'm just inside my head. Maybe it's not as obvious as I think. So that's coming up on Tuesday. Our next chat, we're going to head back from earlier this year when we uh, chatted with one of our favorite guys here on the sports cage Braden Mascowie of team Dunstone we caught up with him as he went back inside the curling bubble in Calgary ahead of the grand slams when did you get back into the bubble
9: Braden Uh, we got back here on Saturday Um, we wanted yeah saturday we wanted to make sure we weren't traveling during the masters uh, so we came in a day early and uh started the uh the beautiful isolation process
2: <laughs> how how is it how is it being back inside when you were free for a little while well
9: it's uh we didn't have many free days to be honest with you because after the briar we had to quarantine for two weeks when we got home and then we had to quarantine for two weeks before coming back here so i think we had two or three days where uh, it was kind of back to real life so uh, but honestly it's it's good man whether i'm sitting at my uh in my condo in regina or sitting in a hotel room here uh you know we got a uh, got a chance to do what we love this week and get back on the ice so uh no complaints on this end that's for sure
10: hey brayden i guess we could call you a, a bit of a bubble veteran now is there anything you brought in this time that you kind of wished you had before whether it'd be a, an xbox or something like that even
9: well i uh last time was a little easier because we drove um so i brought coffee makers blenders all that stuff um but this time we flew so i was it was a little tougher to pack i actually brought like a cooler full of chili and stuff last time so i had some food and whatnot but uh no all i brought really this time was my my playstation 4 um we've got a crew of us here in the bubble uh guys on different teams that play some golf some pga golf so we have some some heated battles that uh, started taking place yesterday once again. So that's pretty fun.
10: What's flying like nowadays? I haven't been on a plane since, uh, since the new world.
9: <laughs> yeah, she's uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty quiet. Uh, it's nice. You get a row to <laughs> yourself. You get the row behind you to yourself, the row in front of you to yourself and uh, security lines, the weight's not too bad. So yeah, it was funny. We are were... We were kind of laughing when I got dropped off at the airport. Uh, you know, that was the f- first time I've been at the airport since the Briar last year in Kingston. So uh, it was it was kind of surreal just to think how much how much has changed since uh, the Briar, I guess, two years ago.
2: Brad Muscali with us on the sports cage. So you get to Calgary on Saturday, and then uh, news comes out that there were four positive tests for COVID at the Worlds, which later yeah. were, turned out to be false positives, we found yesterday. When you heard there'd been positive tests, was there any level of concern in your mind?
9: Yeah, for sure. I mean, f- the first question was, we were just confused. So we actually found out late Friday night, and then we had our flight at 6am on Saturday. So we're like, uh, what, like, what do we do here? We didn't even know. So we, we came out here and still didn't know anything Saturday, Sunday, really. But just confused more so, I guess, because... It didn't really make sense to us how, you know, if there was going to be cases, it's it, it should show up in the first day or two, the first few days, right? And it should probably come from travel, you would think. Once you're into this bubble, the CCA and World Curling Federation have done such a good job of setting it up and safely. It didn't make sense to us how it could possibly get in and the bubble could break at that point. So um, with all the daily temperature checks and everything they do like that. And the, the, the testing, uh, we, we were just confused that as was everyone, like, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of as, as more information came to light and we started to get some facts. Yeah. It turned out that, uh, four pulse or sorry, four false positives, uh, which is, I mean, it sounds like it's like one in a thousand to get a false positive. Was the odds we were told? So for four to happen, um, there was obviously some contamination or something went wrong at the lab. But uh, I'm no, I'm no doctor, so don't quote me on that yeah. one, DP. Uh,
1: yeah,
2: I'm curious what it would take. I don't. I've not been in any of these bubbles. I know the NHL was tight as tight as a drum. Like to to yeah. break the bubble, is it like Nick Cage and National Treasure? Like you'd have to go to that level or an Ocean's <laughs> Eleven type thing, or what would it? How tight is the curling ball? Yeah,
9: it's it's tight, man. Like, uh, you know, every, basically if you're in the hotel here um, and, and you can go to the rink. And every time you check out of the hotel, you have to scan out. And the rink's about a three or four minute drive. So if you're not checked into the rink within five, six, seven minutes, you're getting a call on your phone. Hey, where are you? Making really? Sure you're not getting gas or getting food or doing something you shouldn't be. So it like, to me, I, like, as far as I'm concerned, this is one of the safer places to be right now you've got daily testing temperature checks you know um no one's gonna none of the players or athletes are gonna mess around because you know if, if you do something you're not allowed to it's been very clear that you're gonna be banned for the olympics next year you're gonna be banned for briars uh like a two-year suspension so none of the athletes are gonna risk it or do anything stupid so that was never even a thought um so yeah it was, we were just shocked because. You know, like I said, I I could see it in the first few days, you know, people flying here, especially with the world championships flying from all over the world in here and they didn't have, every test was negative over a thousand tests so far between the three events, everything negative. So for them, for it to just show up out of nowhere after they've been testing negative and no one having symptoms, it was just, it was just confusing and, and shocking more than anything. And, and, uh, as I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but there was a lot of speculation going around a lot of people calling for the event to just be shut down right then and there without any facts. And, and they were, you know, pretty hard on curling Canada and the WCF for running it saying this wasn't safe. Why did you do this? And then, you know, as it turns out, uh, the integrity of the bubble was, was never broken. And, and uh, you know, I think they've done a great job. So um, I'm really happy that, that they stuck to their guns and, you know, had protocol in place for this and, and I'm sure I'm sure they could have done some stuff better but their priority was keeping people safe and uh figuring out what happened and uh, they did exactly that so I'm just happy we you know not only ourselves we get to compete in these grand slams but there's the women's worlds after these grand slams too right like that would be a disaster for Carrie Anderson's team all those all the gals teams that have worked so hard for the last two years they didn't get to play worlds last year so um yeah I think it's a lot of relief for for all the curlers that uh, you we know, were able to keep going here.
2: Can't believe you'd accuse the Twitter Twitterati of overreacting without facts. No, that <laughs> never happens, right? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, Drew, you're in news, you know it happens. <laughs> yeah,
10: oh God, don't yeah. even get me started. There's,
2: <laughs> there's a uh, surplus of
9: newfound medical experts on Twitter these days, I, I've, <laughs> I've learned. So, uh, bring... uh, trying, trying to stay off of there for the most part.
10: Yeah. You talk about the, the bubble and, and how strict it is. Uh, on a personal level, have you had to change the way you prepare for games? I don't know. Even something as simple as, as grabbing a coffee on the way to the rink, you can't do that now. You mentioned uh, has it changed the way you've had to prepare uh, before you go on the ice?
9: A little bit, yeah. Like that's that's a big thing. To, like you know, you, a lot of times we'll go just grab a sub on the way to the rink or after games and grab a coffee. Stuff like that, like, is just a bit of a, a nuisance, I guess. That you can't, you know, you don't have your freedom to go do those little things. But um, honestly, outside of that, like, the curling's not a whole lot different. I haven't found, anyways. Like as far as the event goes, like sure, the few days before where you got to isolate and you can't see the guys, that sucks. But I mean, it, there's worse places to be. Let's be honest. We're sitting in a Marriott uh, with Netflix and Wi-Fi and room service. I mean, it's not the end of the world, right? Uh, so that's fine. And uh, once the curling starts, man, it's like we're so busy curling. It's like the only the only time. Only thing you want to do is sleep and eat when you're not curling anyways so once the event gets going it's it's pretty much status quo outside of obviously having the fans in there but uh yeah it throws a little bit of a wrinkle into things like you know lots of guys like to go to the gym before you know an hour or two before the game not go crazy but uh you know ride the bike get the legs going whatever stretch it out obviously we, there's there's no gym because because of covid so uh the gyms closed down so Little things like that it makes it a little trickier, but I mean, all in all, um, no complaints from any of us. We're just we're just down, happy to be curling again, man.
2: Yeah, two Grand Slam events going back to back in Calgary, starting now on Thursday. They were going to start on Wednesday, but pushed pushed back. Uh, Braden, can I can I throw you some potentially blasphemous, uh, bigger picture curling talk about one of the guys you may face in this in these tournaments?
9: I would love I would love for you to throw that at me.
2: Is there a chance, Uh they just won the world championship again, uh, Nicholas Adeen won five uh, world championships uh, at the age of 35, is there a chance, here's the blasphemy, in Canada that Nicholas Adeen is the greatest curler of all time on the men's side?
9: Um, uh, I don't think so, um... I think he's one of the greatest. I do not think he's the greatest. Um, He's won five world championships. Unbelievable. Um, There's never going to be any discrediting Nick, but you know, I look at guys like Glenn Howard, he went to three world championships and he won three of them. Nick's been to how many world championships? I don't know, 10, 12, maybe more, you know? So it's a little different. I, I, I think he's the greatest international curler of all time. And, and he's right up there in the greatest of all time. But to go out and say he's the greatest, I think that does a lot of, you know, it, it's it's tough to say that when you've got guys like Glenn Howard and Kevin Martin and even guys like John Morris and Kevin Cooey now. I'd like to see what they could do with 10, 12, 15 trips to a world championship. They might have yeah. five as well. Who knows, right? So it's it's like in any sport, you know, comparing it against different eras and stuff like that, it's always it's always tough. But there's no doubt about it he's one of the greatest to ever play the game and and uh yeah I hope we get a I hope we get a chance to test ourselves against those boys this week that'd be a lot of fun
2: when I started to contemplate it I thought okay well I, I feel like Kevin Martin may be the gold standard and Kevin was was one of those guys who for for a long time didn't play briars right because they wanted to get <laughs> the tour started exactly. so you go okay well now I have to evaluate how that works and the Briar is the gateway right to the to the world so there was had to be a decade where a decade gap in his world championship, uh, e- experience. And you go, Ooh, but I mean, five world titles, even if you get a free pass, I mean, playing against guys like you, I, I mean, come on, that's to, to win that five times is, re- is, is remarkable. If not the greatest 100%. ever remarkable, make no
9: mistake about it. That's yeah. unbelievable. Not I'm taking nothing away from him. I yeah. just think it's, it's, a it's hard to compare, I guess, like, like you said, in it, I, it kind of relates to the, the briar too like i look at a guy like gushu he's been 18 times and he's won three times where kevin cooey's been you know i think seven or eight and he's won four times so if you gave cooey 18 chances how many briars would he have right and that's 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 all you know speculation and it's as a sports fan and you know i'm a curler but i'm also a fan of the game it's always cool to think about those things and wonder like geez how many would kevin cooey have if he played out of newfoundland or maybe he wouldn't have as many you know maybe you take it for granted a bit more going that many times i don't know but it's always cool to compare that and wonder that and that's something we always talk about you know like i think cooey like he won the first briar he was at that's unbelievable that's crazy <laughs> but he also didn't get to a briar till he was 35 or so and that's just what comes along with playing out a a tough province like Alberta I guess.
2: So you guys went to Wadena this year, maybe Norway next year you all take up Norwegian citizenship and you get to the world's out. Huh? I'm just saying. Is that? Is that where the world's are next year? I don't but you just is... you, you just need you just need uh you represent Estonia and then oh you're going to win. It. You guys are going to win Estonia, right? Like come on, you'll roll curlers in Estonia.
9: Well, we would, but I mean <sighs> There's, yeah. there's, there's, no, there's no substitution for putting that maple leaf on your back. And you know what? As tough as it is to win a world championship out of this country and, you know, you take a guy like whoever, Glenn Howard, one of the greatest of all time, he went to three world championships. Um, when you do get there, if you do get there, um you sure know you've earned it and and you uh you definitely didn't take the easy way to get there that's for sure last one to drew here is is
10: canada the toughest country to get out of to get to a world championship in the curling world do you think
9: yeah 100 percent. like uh again nothing against the dean's team or anything but they didn't they didn't have to play anyone to go they got picked to go um same as uh, as a lot other um countries they just get picked and they go um it's gonna be same as the olympics next year they don't they don't have to play an olympic trials like We got to go beat Brad Jacobs, Kevin Cooey, Brad Dushu, John Epping, Mike McEwen, whoever else, um, you know, (laughs) to get to the Olympics next year. And they already know they're going. They've got their bags packed, their flights booked. They're going to the Olympics, right?
1: There's Derek Taylor with uh, Brayden Mescal. We have Team Dunstone earlier this year inside the curling bubble in Calgary ahead of the Grand Slams. Brayden you joined us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime is a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. So we're going to talk some more curling coming up next. This side, or this time on the women's side, Sherry Anderson steps inside the cage. Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sean Kleisinger are in for Derek Taylor today. All guests appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime is a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Our next chat is with Sherry Anderson. We caught up with her prior to the Scotties this year. Of course, the Scotties were in a curling bubble in Calgary, Alberta. And we found out something kind of shocking during the interview with Sherry. We found out that she was dealing with COVID-19. Here's DT with Sherry Anderson.
2: In Calgary, the Scotties are scheduled to go ahead in a little bubble action. And representing Saskatchewan will be Sherry Anderson's rink. And Sherry's nice enough to join us now. Sherry, how are you on this Wednesday?
11: I'm doing okay, thanks. A little breezy out here in Delisle, but other than that, I'm managing all right.
2: Describe a little breezy because I thought the air conditioner was going to come off my house this morning. What's what's breezy out
11: there? <laughs> well, I went for a walk, and it was so icy from some rain last night, and it's so windy it was kind of blowing me around. So the walk didn't last very long. So. <laughs>
2: Yeah, prudence. I think is, is is better there. That's that's good. I'm curious. When you were with us last, we talked to you in December. You mentioned that you ha- you were on the other side of COVID. How are you doing now?
11: I'm doing fine, thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, fully recovered and feeling okay. Um, yeah. I'm doing all right that way.
2: Very good. very. That's uh, that's very comforting to hear because we have uh, friends of the show who are not doing particularly well with it, so it's it's great to know yes. that uh, there are better outcomes. Uh, when did you find out? When did you know you'd been chosen to play at the Scotties this year?
4: Uh, just last
11: week, I think on the Wednesday Thursday. I got a phone call before Carl Sask announced it. Um, so not too long ago few days to kind of absorb it
2: yeah how, how does it feel i mean uh, we can talk about the round numbers of it but but knowing that uh, that your rink is earned, um, er, earned 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 let's just say earned the birth for saskatchewan to play in the scotties
11: well yeah um i mean my girls are really excited so that's kind yeah. of that, that's kind of nice it's it, it just uh, it's just going to be such a different experience um which is too bad, but I mean, it, 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 I guess it's good that they're going ahead with it and, and trying to make a championship out of it still. Um, it, 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 like I said, it's going to be really different, though.
2: <laughs> what have they told you about what to expect?
11: Um, bubble. <laughs> you know, curling ice, um, leave, go to the hotel, eat, sleep, go back to the curling ice. Uh, that's about it there isn't going to be a whole lot of other stuff going on so uh, maybe later in the week once everybody's you know negative and we've been in there long enough maybe there'll be some some more interaction but for the most part it's pretty much going to be curling and uh, back to the hotel
2: yeah no no briar patch or the the equivalent uh no no hanging around <laughs> after the uh after your two your two draws are done and and having some drinks with friends
11: no, no heart stop lounge this year. There I we go. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I feel like, and I feel like this may be dumb to ask, but I feel like that's that's a huge part of the Scotties. It certainly is for us as as people who go to watch it. But is it a big part of it for for you as one of the competitors?
11: Oh yeah, everybody likes to uh, partake in the heart stop. If nothing else, it's a good meeting place to to go back and see all your families that have come to watch and. Uh, fans and interact with fans they have a lot of social events there they have up close and personal they call it where they you know they'll get a team or a team member or several team members from different teams up and and ask questions and talk to the people and the curlers and um, things like that that you know it, it makes it very much social but it is a great meeting place to meet old friends and new friends and family so
2: yeah here's to having it back for the uh, 2022 scotties when when they come up as this year is not going to be like uh, any other talking to sherry anderson on the western pizza hotline when when the decision came down from curl sask i was i was kind of caught off guard and i thought well it seems it seems strange to leave out uh, Robin Silvernagel's rink, the two-time defending champions. And people who know curling better had texted into the show and said, you know what, changing two people from a rink is, is a really big deal. And just if you could explain, uh, changing teams from season to season, players come in, players come out, It's 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 okay if one player comes in and out but it seems like from curling folks that not two. Can you explain where that that comes from? And I I, I, I asked with no other intention other than I don't know where it came from and I don't know how big a deal it is, but it seems to be a big deal to people who know curling.
11: Well, it's just that's that's how it's been. Um, I think part of that is... um, So you can't just change a team and, you know, if, if, say, Kevin Cuey... Changes his team, and and you don't just go for Kevin Cuey. The, the right. previous performance was by that team, so they've made the rule that you know three of four, you're okay. It's still classified as a team, but two or more players, it's not. You can't just go on the merit of the skip's name or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, now there is there is things in place for points if. If you switch teams and, and Kevin Cooey, say, grabs three members off Mike McEwen's team, well, they've got enough points that they'd be high enough up there. So when they start the fall, um, they're not down at the bottom of the barrel and, and clawing their way to get into some of the slam events and things like that. Okay. So there there is provisions, but normally a team is more than um, two and that's where the decision was made.
2: The way we kind of cover it in the media, it's well. This is Sherry Anderson's team, right? We refer to the teams by the skips, and uh, you start to think, well, if, as long as Sherry's there, it should be, it should be fine with <laughs> with whomever, right? We, and I think that's probably just the way we frame it in the media. It kind of distracts us from what the truth might be.
11: Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's just the way it's it's been, and um, the, so. Uh, yeah and that's the reason i mean yeah. we, we switched our team did switch one member of our team um, but we had maintained the three of four and that's all of the all of the literature all the rules and everything for curling usually is if you maintain three of the four players from the original team then that's still classified as that
2: team yeah but. and that's what the folks who would text into the show would say yeah that's that's a big deal i'm like okay it's a big deal i can i can accept it on that front uh, as you go uh, by my count this will be your 10th scotties is i'm a big i'm a big numbers fan and to me the the transition from nine to ten to be like yes double digits will will a 10th one be a big deal for you
11: well it's just it's nice to go and and represent and and get back there and um although it's not exactly the way you would want to do it, you go, you want to play, right? You want to have a provincial event and curl. I mean, that's what I enjoy doing is the competition. So, um, but having said that, I I mean, my team's excited, so I'm happy for them and we're going to go and and try to represent Saskatchewan as best we can. And uh, um, so I'm not disappointed to go. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put it that way. <laughs> do you have
2: some first-timers on your team? First-timers to the Scotties?
11: Yes, I do. Uh, Nancy Martin at third and Shaylin Kitts at second. Both have not been there. Oh, boy. Um, Brianne Knapp, who, um, who's originally from Manitoba, she's gone a couple of times as a fifth player. Uh, but they've all got some some experience in other parts of curling. Both Nancy and Shaylin play mixed doubles. They've been to the national event in that several times. In fact, Nancy was the silver medalist last year, her and her partner, Tyrell Griffiths, out of BC. Um, Had they won the final game in the mixed doubles, they would have gone to Norway for the world, where we were in a senior event as well, like the senior worlds. So she would have been over there at the same time. So that would have been kind of cool.
2: What are first-timers like at the Scotties? When when you're a veteran, when you see first-timers, what do you see? do? they have their pupils fully dilated and like, oh boy, I can't believe I'm here?
11: <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I, I <laughs> would be too. Bit. Yeah, but again, I mean, this year it's going to be different because you're going to go in there and, and part of that is the atmosphere, right? Yeah. So with no fans in the stands, I mean, I think back to when I competed in the Scotties in Moose Jaw a few years ago and – the feeling when they announced Team Saskatchewan and you walked out and the, the crowd cheered was, I mean, I can't even uh, imagine it being any other way. Like, it was just so phenomenal. And now this year they will might not even announce the team <laughs> because there's nobody to announce it to. So, um, so things like that. It's going to be quite a bit different. Um, it, unfortunately, they're not going to get the full experience of the Scotties um, this year because of all of those restrictions.
2: Will you be for or against piped-in crowd noise for curling like they've been doing every <laughs> other sport?
11: Well, you know what? I was thinking I I should do a phone call and get some of my family and stuff to yell and cheer, and then I'll record it, and then maybe we oh. can play it. with. When-
2: <laughs> oh, and some cowbell in there too? Absolutely.
11: <laughs> yeah. Air horn? Oh, yeah. I imagine Curl Canada would love that if I had a speaker <laughs> up on the backboards and every good shot we made, we'd just flip that on. Oh,
2: yeah. that would be incredible. Uh, Clayton Kroger's <laughs> along with us. Clayton, you wanted, to, you wanted to throw a question to Sherry.
8: Yeah, Sherry, you've probably been to almost all of the curling clubs in Saskatchewan. Out of all of those curling clubs, small towns, small cities, big cities, like what are the curling clubs that just stick out to you? Like Maybe the food's really good, maybe the lounge is awesome, good people, good ice. Like What are some of the curling clubs out there in Saskatchewan, small town or whatever, that you just love going to, that just stick out in your mind?
11: Well, firstly, when you said good food, um, the, the club I grew up on as a kid, the Northside Curling Rink, we had two sheets of natural ice, the best uh, hamburgers to be sold. There would be guys out drinking on a Saturday night, stop in there and buy hamburgers just for the, the food and the, and the pie. <laughs> so, of course, I remember that. It was great. Um, I have to say for ice right now, Nutana, I, I practice out of there, and, and the ice maker there, Lawrence Kutrin, he does a phenomenal job of the ice there, um, so I I love going to practice there. Um, every curling rink that I have been into in Saskatchewan, the social aspect never lets me down. Uh, it's You can always go upstairs to the lounge and have a drink with somebody, and it wouldn't matter if you knew them or not. You sit down and, and have a conversation, so... Um, pretty much all the clubs in Saskatchewan
8: are good for that. I'm so happy you singled out the Nutana Curling Club, though, because I grew up five minutes away from that place. Uh, That's my kind of home curling club, and you're right, the best place ever. Plus, the Irish Pavilion is there at FolkFest, so I've got some good memories of the Nutana
2: Curling (laughs) Club there, too.
11: (laughs) Yes, yeah.
2: Uh, Clayton, it sounds like we need to meet at the Northside Curling Club for burgers and pie at some point here when this all gets back open. That sounds pretty good. I like it. Curling well, actually, food in
1: general is just good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sorry, sure, you can't,
11: You can't go to Northside anymore. The curling rink is down. Uh, they tore it down quite a few years ago. But just up the road, the Christopher Lake Lake Sports Sports Plex has uh, artificial ice. So uh, that's where the curling goes on now. On that area. Hey, I-
1: there's Sherry Anderson with Derek Taylor and Clayton Croker, and they're making me hungry talking about
11: burgers and stuff.
1: If anyone wants to. Come downtown, I'm at the corner of 12th and Rose, and just uh, tap on the window if you want to bring me a burger. Yeah, it'll last me until 6.30. Heading to break, and we've got a sports ticker for you on the other side, and then in hour three, another great conversation coming up. The zinger in for Derek Taylor. Some sports taker action for you. The New Orleans Saints are reportedly adding starting quarterback Taysom Hill to the COVID-19 list. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport tweeted Thursday. And it's tough luck here for the Saints. They are down to their fourth string quarterback as the rookie out of Notre Dame, Ian Book, will get the start behind center in a crucial Monday night matchup against the Dolphins. The Saints are currently tied for the third wildcard spot in the NFC. The Toronto Blue Jays are finalizing plans for a renovation of Rogers Centre, likely to include a redesign of the stadium's lower bowl. According to an industry source, the renovation is expected to cost around $250 million. Details should be uh, wrapped up next month, and then uh, we'll hear a formal unveiling after that. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781 781- Twenty ninety, heading to break. And then on the other side, another great conversation with Derek Taylor, and talking about some hockey night in Canada on a Sportsnet and Punjabi edition. They do some great work there on Sportsnet, where not only they broadcast in English, French, but they have a whole you know list of other languages that they air. So that's a great conversation coming up next. Jeff Richards in with the news. You're listening to the Sports Cage. On 620 CKRM. Cage on 620 CKRM. Sean Kleisinger in for Derek Taylor today. How you doing Saskatchewan? A couple more days to Christmas time. And a little bit of an update on my Christmas wrapping. I got it all done last night. I think I was up until like 2 a.m. wrapping presents. But uh, now I don't have anything to worry about after tonight. So that's good. I can just sit back and eat those gingerbread cookies with the cream cheese icing on them. Mmm. Man, I love those so much. All right, let's get hour three rolling. Here's Derek Taylor. I was super excited to see when Sportsnet announced that Saturday
2: for their doubleheader, the Leafs-Canucks-Oilers-Jets, they were going to be doing the game in seven extra languages. They do it in English, they do it in Punjabi, but they're doing it now in seven extra languages as a special Saturday, and I thought... Every league in the world is trying to figure out where does our next group of fans come from. We talk about it with the CFL all the time. Where are the younger fans coming from? Well, Sportsnet has found a way. And to discuss it, we hooked up with Randeep Janda, who is the host of Hockey Night in Canada, the Punjabi edition. Randeep, in your radio show in Vancouver today, how much will you be talking about the CFL global draft that just happened and Jake Ford coming to the Lions?
12: Derek, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not going to be leading the show today. Uh, no, <laughs> let's, the, let's start off there.
2: The Aussie punter won't be leading the show. We're, we're Honestly, we're doing this about halfway through the show. We're probably going to spend about 15 minutes talking about the fullback from Germany. Uh, we're, we're doing a lot of it here. It's, we, we live in different markets.
12: It, it's a, amazing, though. Is, is it probably the first time that a, a kicker or a punter has been drafted first overall in any draft? Do we have this on record?
2: Oh gosh, I would have to dig into some old CFL drafts. I remember kickers going like number two in the CFL draft, but number one is a real number one's a real boost. Great for all the punters and kickers out there and all the little kids who want to grow up to be punters and kickers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I try I remember did you ever do that? You're in the backyard and you're just booting the ball at one end and then you run thirty yards and chase it and kick it back and pretend you were doing something good. Like I'm the next Hank Elysik was my thing when I was a
12: kid. <laughs> I always used to do it when my arm would get tired from throwing it. And you're like, all right, time to kick now. Yeah. So it was always the backup option.
2: There you go. I like it. Uh, uh, Randeep is the host of Hockey Night in Canada, the Punjabi edition. And I, when I saw that Sportsnet was on this Saturday going to do the game in seven extra languages, I was, I was just super excited for Sportsnet and for, for hockey fans. Uh, tell me, Randeep, why you think this is important.
12: Well, first of all, it's the first time in the history of the show. So, Molson Canadian Sportsnet they got together for this partnership, and they're presenting it in seven additional languages. And it, this is an important, uh, you know, initiative, important broadcast, based on the fact that it's going to connect more Canadians with the game of hockey through the language of their choice. And you know, hearing hockey in your own language that can be an introduction for a lot of people to the game. And one thing we have to remember is that our entry points into the game are different for everybody. I can speak from my experience of growing up here in you know Vancouver. My parents were uh, immigrants to the country. They obviously had different exposure to the game. And then just having that entry into the game for me was, you know, really cool as a kid, but for them it was different. They got more involved as maybe they heard uh, analysis um, in their own language and their language of choice. So that's why, This is such a cool initiative that's going on this Saturday. You know, hockey does connect us all. But as I mentioned, the entry points for the love of that game, they can be different. And and that's why this broadcast in Cantonese, Mandarin, Hindi, Vietnamese, German, Tagalog, and Arabic is going to be so cool because there's going to be a different passion with every single language. And that's what makes this broadcast really special.
2: Every league at this time is struggling with how do we get younger people? How do we get new people? We've had people watching us for 50 years, but what about the next 50 years? And uh, sports that I saw earlier, the stat that Canada has 350,000 new Canadians. And I think, man, if they get programming in their, le- their own language, the one they understand they're they're going to gravitate to it. They they just they just are. And and I think I think that's why hey, you know what? We need a way to find uh, in, to get people to our sport. Well, he, here's a way. Here's a way. Let's find people who can broadcast in that language and let's do it. Let's give it to everybody.
12: It's all about creating those connections, those common bonds, right? The right. sport of hockey is the one that we see that we love. We all love depending on our our backgrounds. It doesn't really matter. The game is the same. It's how do you get connected to that game? How do you create that that you know that canadian tradition and it's it is the country's game but how do you get more people to fall in love with it and using language to do so is so important because you create a a subculture within that sport which is so important and for me with hockey night in canada Punjabi, we've seen that happen over almost over a decade now and i've been involved in the show for seven years there's a vocabulary that has come from the show it's you know there's word usages is, is a little different we've created some words there's an energy that you know really appeals to our Punjabi community and what's cool about this is that the game is the same it's just how do you get more people involved how do you get more people as active participants not just spectators but what I found this you know our show in hockey Den Canada Punjabi but also this initiative between Molson Canadian and Sportsnet and the seven additional languages it's going to get more people as active participants in the game. Eventually, mm. maybe they go from viewers to picking up a hockey stick, or eventually, when we're allowed to go watch these games, it's how do, are you involved in the game, not from a distance, but actually being in it.
2: Yeah, you mentioned there you guys uh, created words,
12: the uh, hockey words. Mm. What,
2: what do you mean by that? Give me, give me some of those.
12: So okay. Certain words, like icing, there, there's no Punjabi equivalent. Uh, icing is icing. So if you listen to and watch Hockey in Washington, Canada, Punjabi, we, we say that. But there are other ones that, you know, I've created some words in the past. My colleague, Harnarayan Singh, has uh, created some as well. And I'll give you an example for, uh, for myself. You know, a high-sticking penalty, okay, that's, you can say that if you want to. But one of the words that I've used is it's kind of to play off Punjabi food dishes, uh, which we're famous for in our community, if, uh, if you love Indian food. So what I call is luchkari di sabji, which essentially means like a, a dish of lumber, right? Like that's, this guy got hit up, he, this guy got you know clipped by a high stick. No, in in Punjabi we say luchkari di sabji He basically he fed him a, a dish of lumber, right? So like uh, those no sort way. of things. That that it kind of has become its own hockey language. And Harneerinder is another one where he calls the penalty box a uh, sajada which is the actual translation is the box of punishment. Right. So we've got we've got a couple <laughs> of different ones that we sprinkle into the show and make it our own.
2: I just envisioned you going around Vancouver in the time where people can be out and someone yelling a dish of lumber at you. That's awesome.
12: <laughs> well, you know, what's, what's really great, though, because it, it links back to our own family histories. And I and I know the broadcasters with this broadcast are going to do the exact same thing. But the reason that lumber resonates and it, you know with me is that my dad worked in a sawmill for over 40 years. So I'm taking my personal history, I'm taking the history of the community here locally and incorporating it into the show. And a lot of um, you know Punjabis and Indo-Canadians worked in that industry if they came to Canada in the 70s and 80s. So it's how do you make your show unique to your audience? And I feel like we've done a pretty good job with that in Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi. And I know the broadcast on the 17th There's going to be elements of that for every community, just to have that next layer of connection. That's why I'm excited to watch what goes on on Saturday.
2: Yeah, Randy Janda is with us uh, on the Western Pizza Hotline. How did you become a hockey fan? Uh, We all have our stories. What got you into hockey back in the day?
12: I was always a huge fan of video games growing up. Of course, you know you go back to the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo. So that's that's where I gravitated. Hockey cards were huge, but the moment the aha moment for me being a, a vancouverite was the 94 stanley cup uh, final run and yeah. pavel bray was a huge part of that for me where all of a sudden a player i was you know just he could electrify you know he was just electrifying on the ice and he had that that edge to him or you know go go at shane churla he could throw a mean elbow but also at the <laughs> yeah. same time we know he could score 60 goals in a season as well and and that really grabbed me that year especially, where guys like Kirk McLean and Pavel Burry and Trevor Linden kind of really grabbed me and brought me into the game. But after that, just you know, just being fully immersed into the game and and that era, I think for a lot of folks here on the West Coast, that team that brought in a new audience. Even though Hockey Night in Canada Punjabi wasn't around at that point, it's moments like that that really, you know, for especially for newcomers, it's when a team is exciting, when a team is is doing something that maybe they've never done before. You have special talents that really gravitate the fan base. Yeah. And what's really changed over the last couple of years now, over the last ten years, is that you can go that you know that level a little bit deeper and and communicate in the language which makes you fall in love with the game even that much quicker.
2: It, here's something that's not 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 surprising that I never had to think about when I was growing up. When like when I would watch. TV, I would see the highlight shows and I grew up in Alberta. So I got to see like Darren Detition and Perry Solkowski mm-hmm. on ITV, or I got to watch Mike Toth and the gang on, uh, on two and seven in Calgary. And I-, I never thought of the time because as a white guy, everybody looked like me on TV. But as I, as I got older and, uh, I was sitting on the sports center set with Nabil Karim one day and he and I were kind of talking about it and he said, Oh, it's not that big a deal. And I thought, I said to him, really, you don't think that you being here is a really big deal to a lot of people. I, I we I gravitate to people who look like me I assume that's not not just me that mm-hmm. does that and and just the fact that that you are where are you and you do what you do with TV and radio and that sportsnet is doing what it's doing this weekend is the ripple effects just as a as a sports fan as a broadcaster they honestly they just make me smile a lot
12: yeah and going back to that experience you mentioned Nabil kareem and, and Gudiep Yeah, I remember when they hosted together uh, that was a big moment for the community because it was a, it was a moment where you're seeing, uh, you know, two, you know, young guys that have worked their way up to to host sports center. And then that was an important moment. So uh, funny, you referenced that, but just being in that position, when I was growing up, uh, you know, Farhan Lalji was working out here in Vancouver and and, uh, he's a colleague on um, covering Vancouver hockey here, but yeah, it was few and far between, Um, you know, just, Having those players, even at the NHL level, mm-hmm. was very rare. Robin Bawa was a uh, you know a tough guy who played with the Kamloops Blazers in the WHL and eventually played with the Canucks for a couple of games, but the Anaheim Ducks and the San Jose Sharks. You know he was a huge, huge person in our community because he made it. He was the first one to ever make it from the Punjabi community. But that also speaks to how rare it was. Now we're in a position where you know you have a Kedah who's playing with the Edmonton Oilers. You have other guys that are, are working their way up. There's a bit of a pipeline. But from a broadcasting perspective, it, this has been a game-changer. With Hockey Night yeah. Canada, up in Jobby, we've been lucky to be on the forefront uh, of that. But beyond that even as well, this broadcast on, on Saturday, this is going to give kids at home, maybe even you know teenagers at home, an opportunity to say, hey, these guys can do it in the, my language of choice. Maybe I can as well, and and yeah. it's really about motivating that next generation for
2: sure. Yeah, we we talk about uh, a lot about the athletes themselves. I, I knew early I wanted to be a broadcaster, so I gravitated to the broadcasters and just think, oh yeah, uh, opportunities for for the next generation, the ones who are going to take our jobs one day and we're going to hate them because ah, oh, these young kids they don't know it how we used to have to do it. Ah.
12: Well, they're coming out quicker, quicker and sharper these days. I'm, ah, I'm, I'm awful. <laughs> I'm isn't very it? proud of them. I'm very proud of them, but uh, yeah, absolutely. They're going to take my job at some point here, uh, Derek.
2: I'm going to regret every single one of them. Uh, Red Deep, uh, on the NHL this year, uh, the games on Saturday, that'll be in seven extra languages. The Leafs and Canucks at 5 o'clock, Saskatchewan time, the Oilers and Jets at 8 o'clock. Quick hockey one for you. When you look at the North Division, and it's honestly the only one I've paid the least bit of attention to this year, who's going to win it? Who's going to win it? And Tell me why it won't be Vancouver, obviously.
12: Well, Vancouver has got a, various reasons. Uh, health <laughs> is first and foremost right oh, now, but man. just beyond that, uh, they're not that same team. They lost a lot in the offseason. Uh, a lot of those pieces went to Calgary, but they're, they're not that, that same team. They're going through a bit of a rebuild. But I've been, you know, I said this at the beginning of the year, and I'm not out on this. I, I I'm looking at the Edmonton Oilers, and I know they're not consistent. I know they're far behind you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs to a certain degree here because the Leafs continue to pick up points. But when you have those two guys, in McDavid and Dreisaitl, and you have a Darnell Nurse that is looking like a game-changer this year, mm-hmm. I'm still not going to move off of my take that, to me, they're the strongest team in the North. I would have liked them to actually add a couple more pieces, meaningful pieces at the deadline. Um, I'm wavering a little bit from my prediction based on the fact that Ken Holland decided to stand pat but it's going to really come down to the wire. I, I like the Edmonton Oilers because once they're going on those top two lines separately, good luck trying to stop them. They're the best two players in the game right now. And Sean was impressive. They added some depth. They paid a premium for it. Uh, they're going all in, mm-hmm. but I have a hard time moving off the Edmonton Oilers just because Connor McDavid and Leon are so good. So uh, call it a simplistic approach, Derek, but um, I, 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 had. Can't budge off my take from the Edmonton Oilers.
2: I was really surprised to see Winnipeg and Edmonton kind of kneel down uh, at the deadline when I thought they might make some moves. I That one really caught me off guard.
12: For sure. And I think that, you know, that secondary scoring, Dmitry Kulikov, a hey, depth defenseman, but it felt like they were going to maybe go for a, a bigger swing, at least at the forward position where that secondary scoring has been a big issue in Edmonton going back a couple of years now. What happened was in the off-season you had some of that money move off the roster. There was some flexibility, and this year felt like the ideal time to actually go after secondary scoring because what did we notice about the prices? Unless they were going to Toronto, uh, things were pretty cheap, right? Things were mm. pretty weren't that expensive in this year's market, so I was a little surprised on that. I thought this would be a great year to to really give McDavid and Drysdale a chance because when you got those types of players, and this is why I appreciated Jim Rutherford in Pittsburgh, you might disagree with some of his moves, but he never sat a deadline out. He gave his superstars a chance to win every single year, and I thought Ken Holland should have done the exact same here, but he, he opted to do the, uh, the opposite and really focus on, I guess, next year as that window to, to really be a strong competitor
2: uh hockey night in canada doing seven extra languages on saturday's game uh randeep are they throwing you in are you doing like the german play-by-play in between uh, as you do the interperiod stuff are you also doing that some of these other languages you (laughs) i'm gonna try to
12: learn i'm (laughs) gonna be definitely watching uh my german experience did not go well i tried to learn it on rosetta stone so i won't be but you know if you are in a position please uh ForceNet.ca slash Molten this Saturday. It's going to be awesome, even if you don't know the language. Uh, something that we've been told on Hockey Night Canada, Punjabi, by non punjabi speakers is, I don't know what you're saying, guys, but you guys are passionate and we love the energy. I can guarantee you it's going to be the same for these, uh, these broadcasts on the weekend uh, on Saturday as well, where if you know the language, if it's your language of choice, definitely tune in. But even not, just get hockey in a different flavor and, and test it out.
2: I love the thought of that. Thanks, Randeep. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Derek. Derek Taylor with Randeep Janda on the Western Pizza Hotline, broadcaster for SportsNet Punjabi edition. We're gonna head to break and tee up next week's shows. That's next on the cage. Yo, VIP. Let's kick it. Ice, ice, baby. Ice, ice, baby. That zinger. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. How you doing, Saskatchewan? Wrapping up this week of best-of shows. It's been a fun week, and uh, it's gone by quickly. And we're going to have a lot more coming up next week on Tuesday. We're going to dive into all of our riders' material. And uh, we're going to be counting down the top 10 plays from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders season on Tuesday. And uh, I think it's very obvious what the number one play of uh, the season was. But... If you don't think it's as obvious as I think it is, you can always text me up on the text line, 306-936-6262. It's for the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation, Chase the Ace. Of course, Singer at Night is coming up next, so I'll be here until 11 o'clock tonight. But I'm uh, really looking forward to that on Tuesday and all week long next week. And uh, once again, a big congratulations goes out to Michelle uh, Bidulke of Saskatoon. She was today's winner on Saskatchewan on the Saskatchewan Rough Rider GCA. She won eight thousand four hundred dollars today at four thirty. She chose a uh, envelope number forty one. So uh, a couple of guys that come to mind right away when I think of former riders that wore the number forty one is uh, Fred Perry, two thousand seven. That puts a bow on uh, this show. Once again, I'm here until 11 o'clock tonight. And on Tuesday, we're going to be diving in to all the Saskatchewan Rough Rider material that you need and what a season it was for the riders. Can't wait to relive it next week. Stick around. Zinger at Night is next. You've been listening to the Sports Cage right here on 620 CKRM.